Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 51 of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. Once again, Josh McVitie and Jed Amos Goddard are with me today as we dive into the final previews of the 16 NRL teams ahead of the season beginning on the 11th of March. We put all 16 teams into a hat and drew them out at random between Jed, Joss and I with the end result being four separate podcasts based around how we will feel they will fare in 2021. This is the final podcast of the previews. The previous days we've done the Warriors, Bulldogs, Storm, Broncos, Cowboys, Panthers, Eels, Knights, Raiders, Titans, Manly and the Tigers. And today we'll be going through the Sydney Roosters, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and Jed Amos Goddard, who will lead us in first with the St George Illawarra Dragons. Yeah, tough, tough season for the Dragons this uh, well, last season. Um, moments of brilliance were very much few and far between and it meant the Dragons were left sort of languishing in, in 12th position on the ladder come the end of the season. I mean, for me, it was definitely the off-field issues that were the reasons the Dragons were grabbing the headlines. Nothing they really did on the pitch made any headlines. Whether that be from McGregor's sacking, the four-man panel who were picking the team ahead of McGregor, obviously Anthony Griffin coming in, the unceremonious departure of Tristan Salen towards the end of the season. It's, it's been a real long time since anything positive has come out of the Dragons' camp. Something that hopefully now they can move on and, and change in 2021. I mean, if, along with them, you've obviously got the DeBelling case that's still ongoing now, which must be like a dark cloud over the club. Uh, it's been a lot of distractions for them and for the team, which I think is reflected on the on the on pitch performances. With the future now seeming pretty much sorted, barring the DeBellin case, which is still ongoing, I feel like hopefully now the Dragons can start to pretty much focus on what goes on the pitch rather than being constantly told about all the off-pitch stuff, which should be good for the club as a whole. And hopefully that cloud now will start to move on and it'll be nice and uh, sunny and rainbowy over there. Um, the de- the defence was pretty good for the Dragons. Out of the all the sides in the bottom half of the table, they conceded the least. Um, it was on, on times that it was the scoring, the points that they struggled with, relying on a, a few players in particular. You think of Ravalala, Zach Lomax and Matt Dufty, the only players who really, really, ever really seemed to get on the score sheet or do anything. And they actually only scored 30 points or more three times in the whole season. I mean, even if you think of teams who are struggling, like... They'll at least more times than quite a few times have a, have a blowout and have a high scoring game. But to only score three po- over 30 points three times is, is quite worrying. The highest being 34 points. So they didn't score more than 34 points at any time the whole season. And the other two times that were over 30 points, it was actually 30 points bang on the money. Um, so, and the highest was being that 34 for victory over Manly. And one of the other coming in the final game of the season against Storm when they beat them in the surprise victory. So usually it had just been the two games that had come over 30 points with the Storm putting out a very depleted side in that final game before going into the playoffs. The, this year, the players, they won't have to face the constant pressure on the coach as they did with Mary. You had all eyes on him from the first whistle of 2020 after a poor 2019. So 2021 will all be about improving the Dragons all round for Anthony Griffin. No longer turning up and getting blitzed and looking to make the team more, more of a cohesive unit. I mean, last year, St George was found guilty on a number of occasions of, like I've just said, relying on Matt Dufty and, and Zach Lomax to put some energy into attack with Ravalala putting on some nice finishes in the corner and Pereira sometimes coming in and, and doing some nice things too. And along with that, you've got Cameron McInnes, who were probably their best player along with Lomax last season, getting through a, a tonne of work, but now he's injured for the season which makes the signing of McCulloch even more important. Um, I feel that's going to be a really important signing for them. Um, Corey Norman, he's not been up to scratch for two years now and a lot of emphasis were put on the halves, how they don't click. You had all the the Ben Hunt drama where you're going to play him, are you going to play him at half, are you going to play him at hooker, is he going to start off the bench? And Anthony Griffin has pretty much very said that he wants Ben Hunt to be his starting half, he's made him captain. I think that has shown a lot of faith, and I feel like that. I feel like Ben Hunt is a massive confidence player. I feel like if you put faith in him and you have belief in him, he seems to perform well off the back of that. So I feel like that should be the little boost that Hunt needs to sort of get back up to that that Broncos form that they saw up towards the 2015 Grand Final. Um, I, 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 this might be a bit jumping the gun, but I don't really think he's ever been the same player since he dropped that ball in Golden Point. I know it's hard to define a person's career on a single moment, but 
unfortunately for Ben Hunt at the moment, if you say Ben Hunt to an NRL fan, the first thing they think of is him dropping the ball from that Carl Felt, which inevitably led to the Broncos losing losing that game. I mean, obviously, it's not he played very well in that game and had a good game, but it's just an unfortunate side of the game that that is the things that people remember. So I feel like he will have a good season this season, hopefully put some of them demons uh, behind him. There's a lot of pressure, though. You've got uh, Adam Clune obviously putting a lot of pressure on both halves, and then below that, you've got Sullivan as well, who's also putting pressure on it. So there will be um, an emphasis and, and an expectance that they perform from the first from the first whistle, really. Uh, the signing of uh, Jack Bird could prove to be a masterstroke, or it could prove to be a disaster. Obviously, he's had so many injuries, long-term injuries going on. So, but if he gets back to full health and really recaptures that Cronulla form that helped him, obviously win that. Um, NRL Grand Final. I don't know if, if it was his first season, his rookie season, or it might have been his second season. But since going to the Broncos, injuries and, and his form has never really been the same. They have lost a lot, a lot of experience. Ewan Aitken, as Joss has mentioned in a previous podcast, has gone to the Warriors, who, who I really rate as a player. Um, they've obviously Jacob Host, Tyson Frizzell has probably been their lead leader in the pack, along with James Graham, obviously left halfway through the season. They've lost a lot of experience and a lot of it coming in the pack as well. So one, um, which when they lost James Graham, especially it coincided with a real loss of form and losing a lot of games and getting blown out of a lot of games, which showed the, the, uh, the level-headedness that he controlled in that pack. They can overcome that. Um, and this season in particular, and start well, then that should bode well. But I feel like the experience that they've lost might prove to be quite a bit of a tricky stumbling point. One area that they definitely need to improve is the ability to win close fought games. They've sort of overtaken Canberra. I mean, couple if you look, Joss will know better than me, two, three years ago, Canberra were known for, for losing games by less than four points quite a lot. Um, and not having the ability to see out them games, something that Canberra have now overcome and they don't really have that burden anymore. Um, the lost, but St George lost eight games um, by like more, lost eight games by eight points or less seven times. Oh, sorry, I've lost over my words there. So St George lost games by eight points or less seven times, um, but only won three games when the side when the when it were flipped. So it shows that they don't really have the mental strength to overcome a game when it's such a close scoreline. If they can overcome that and win more of them games rather than losing it, so even if you just turn two over them, it'll see them sort of go to the table and sort of get that experience that they need and be able to overcome that sort of mental stumbling block at the moment. In terms of key battles within the team, there is no no real battles, which is kind of worrying for a team that was in 12th last season. The starting 17 sort of picks picks themselves, which shows the lack of depth that they have. Cody Ramsey gave a great account of himself in the few games that he played and we wanted to add to his tally. Puasa Farmasuli, which I've probably joined you in uh, pronouncing players incorrectly there, Jamie, is a good pickup. And if um, Trent Merrin doesn't start, which I don't think he will, he does, because he dropped into the bench, I think he will be given, uh, obviously, starting there. Another great signing, um, a great sign, another great player to build on is Blockalori, who had a great season. I know you're a big fan of him, Jamie. And I think, as we saw in the trial games, he will be given the, the loose forward shirt. And I feel like he will uh, have a really good season and carry on from that. I'm quite surprised um, that he's actually a lot older than I thought. I thought I've never really known about him from last season. So I thought he was 21, 22. He's actually 24. Um, so we're really wanting to pick on now coming sort of like, not the peak time of career, but sort of where you started to fully establish yourself. Um, and obviously you've got then the argument of the halves, the Clune, Sullivan, Norman Hunt, who's going to get that nod, um, which will, again, will it'll unravel as the season goes on. But I think it will be Norman and Hunt who start. Um, but I feel like Norman's head will be on the chopping block pretty straightforward from as it kicks off. I think that if they're able to focus more on the field um, and the fact that they are fully in adjustment area, they are more likely to have a season of struggle than anything else. I don't have faith in the halves at all. I think Hunt will have a better season, but I feel like he'll probably have to do it all on his own. And I don't think he's at that stage yet where he can do it all on his own just because he's had so many rocky uh, rocky seasons previously. And I feel like they are going to pretty much give it to Zach Lomax, Matt Dufty to do it all over again. Um, And I just don't think it's enough. Oh, McCulloch as well will definitely uh, be left to them free. I know uh, it's hard. After... This the preseason trials. Um, I did have them as 14, but now I could see them even going for the spoon. I thought they might just have enough about them to avoid it, but I am gonna I'm gonna stick to 14th. But 
I feel like if, it, if they could also be going for the spoon. Big season needed again for Zach Lomax and um, I think if he goes well, then that's the only time they'll have a chance of, uh, of doing anything, to be honest. Go on, Jamie. I mean, first of all, you've had me in stitches in, in a lot of our friendship together, but you saying, well, the key battles are, they don't have any key battles, is <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite lines of this entire that's, that's a key. That's a key battle in itself, not having any key battles because you don't have any depth. So that's the key battle for the club. That, that, that bent me double. Um, like, like you said, Cody Ramsey in the off-season, and especially probably one of the only shining lights of the weekend against the Bunnies, um, really pushing for a starting wing spot. You put Ramsey, Pereira and Ravalawa, three don't go into two, mates. So who are your two starting wingers? At the moment, I'd probably go Ravalawa and Pereira, but I feel like it probably, I think if any one of them drops, it's definitely going to be Pereira. Um but they've also they've got um, I can't remember, I think it's Max for guy I'm not pronounced how to put it, but there's a lot of talk coming out of them as well. There's two there's a forward and the two brothers one's a forward one's a winger, and real big talks coming about them. Um, the only I think he played the last two games of the season for St George and went well, um, but I feel like in that pecking order he is fourth down. But if he gets a, a, a good run of form and obviously the um, in the feeder clubs I could see him jumping up and getting even ahead of start of Ramsey there because they're really really keen on him but he might be one for more seasons down the line but I feel like I'll go Ravalal and Pereira but there's definitely some competition there for places mate Hi Josh Mavita here uh, two questions for you Jed uh, one why do you hate the Dragons so much and two will Anthony Griffin still beat the Dragons this time next year uh, I don't hate the Dragons. It's just they've got a poor squad and had a poor season. Um, I, Zach Lomax is one of my favourite players and I feel like he's definitely... I know we're all quite big fans of him um, and a lot of the players I do really like. I just feel like as a, as a squad as a whole, it's not overly impressive. Usually, I'd say when a new coach comes in, they'll be given grace period. So, usually, a coach of Griffin come in will be given a full season under his belt and then the pressure would start from next season. I feel like he's already got pressure under him for some reason. Um, and I don't really particularly know why. It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like he should be given a grace period to do what he wants, transform, because he's inherited this this roster, not really had time to much do anything with it. So I feel like he will be there become the end of the season, but it would not surprise me if, if he's uh, given the chop. Um, yeah, I can't... I can't remember off the top of my head who it is next, so I've, I've fluffed my lines there. So who, who is it who's next? I do apologise. Hi, Josh Mavitt here, about to talk about Sydney Roosters. Josh uh, Mavitt, Sydney Roosters next. One of the most well-known sides in the NRL, similar to the Brisbane Broncos, but unlike Brisbane, they've not struggled as much. The demand for success is often matched in Sydney and their expectations won't have eased with the forthcoming season. In fact, it's probably heightened because of last season and uh, how it ended early. Tricolors will go into a season where points are through. You know, they're going to come out big. They're going to come out strong. They've got quality across the board, as we know. Um, the potential of the squad's there. The depth might become a bit of an issue. I know they're good at promoting within and giving them a go, but Origin's going to roll round, and if injuries occur, we could have a bit of an issue of who's going where and who's doing what. Boyd Corden are gone for the first 12 weeks of the season is a massive blow. Now, I'm a big fan of Agnes Crichton, and I think he's going to have a big year. But what Boyd Cordner brings to that team and that edge is unmeasurable. He is, well, as you know, he's world-class. There's no doubt about that. And I think the big thing we'll miss from this year is just that experience, especially in the tough games when things are getting hard. He's just a bloke who's level-headed. Obviously, JWH is a class player, but he can easily lose his head. Whereas Cordner just seems to be that bloke who's just always in the middle thinking. Uh, pretty strong season in the eyes of most teams for last year, but a bit of an up and down season from the Roosters' point of view. I mean, numerous injuries, as we've just talked about, squad death began to take the toll, especially to key people, and compound, compounded by a semi's exit to, to Sydney, uh, to, to Canberra in Sydney, sorry. And then three losses on the bounce at the end of a season, which you very rarely associate with the Roosters. Uh, obviously, it's good for me because the Raiders got to win. But but I imagine them to come back with a nasty bite this year. I think they're going to come back really up for it. Tedesco's had a rest. 
Cordner's getting a rest and he is going to play some part in this season. So I expect Sydney to be fully firing. They, can be, they, they became very inconsistent last season. As mentioned, the last three games of the season, they didn't win. But teams have been taking shots at Sydney for years because of how good they've been and they've been top of the ladder. And this season, I can feel... I don't think they'll be expected to be a top two team this season. They'll be expected to be very, very about similar to Canberra. But I don't think a lot of people have them in their top two. And I think that'll do Sydney the world of good. The expectations, the pressure will still be there, but they'll be coming in with a fresh life and with a name just to go and have a go, you know, cracking top two and going from there. On the day, they, were, they, were, they can match anyone. They were nine out of ten, the class. Uh, but I think, and I, and I think they will do successfully. They really need to come out of the box firing this year and answer any doubts of uh, who's where and what's what. I think if you look at the key players and the matchups, you know, you, you struggle to look past Tedesco, especially with no, um, <clears throat> excuse me, no corner to start with. He's also put his hands up for goal kicking. I think he had a goal kicking this weekend, and I'm pretty sure it's the only thing in the NRL he's not actually done yet. I'm sure there'll be a drop goal to match it somewhere down line because if anyone can do it, he can do it. Obviously, Tekihaho is a great goal kicker, but he's not a bloke who's going to be on for 80 minutes and he's going to be tired from trundling down the middle. Although my, my rookie for Sydney is a bloke who can kick a ball and I definitely think he will get a shot this year and a lot of talks come out about him being the future of the seven shirt. And that's Sam Walker. And for me, he's not in the, the run on 17 at the minute. But by all accounts, he's giving Lachlan Ratlam a run for his money already. And from what people are saying, he's he's been a, he's a great player and he's got a bit about him. So that's going to be really exciting to see. I imagine he's going to get a game earlier than the origin period. But you should imagine that Luke Keery will be there about abouts of the origin set up. So he might get a shot then. And, you know... You never know what happens from there. He could easily make that seven shirt his own and see Kiri move to six. Uh, the talent's there. It's just down to him now to have a go and uh, dig it out. The player to improve, obviously, as I mentioned, across the board, Sydney weren't great in times last season. And I'm a big fan of his, but you know he needs to get back to where he was. And for me, that's Jared Warrior Hargreaves. He's a premier prop, there's no doubt about it. But the last few years, he's been a bit off the boil. But that's just because we've become so accustomed to him battering teams and leading from the front and setting an example that we come to expect more from him than we do from most others. You know, we forget he's been top of the game in the props for the last decade. So, you know, it's been a long time since when you ever talk about the Premier props in the league. Jared Warahagreaves hasn't been in that conversation. But he needs to once again find that desire that allowed him to get there and hit the highs as he can because he's still got it. Uh, last season wasn't great for him, but as we've mentioned as a whole, it wasn't great for Sydney. But if he can get fit, stay fit, keep avoiding injuries, he, he, he can really set a platform this season. You know, he's had a good break now, and he looked pretty good over the weekend. So I'm excited to see what he can uh, what he can do this season. And you know, if you uh, if you get him trundling down middle, well, you've got Victor Adler who can throw a ball to him from any angle, and then you've got Tedesco and Kiri flying about out back off of him. As for finishing, gone for a bit of a bold one. I think Sydney will finish fifth this season. I think they'll just miss out on the top four. But again, as mentioned in an earlier pod, I think that's because of how well other teams have recruited and how well they're coming into the season. I think the origin period is going to be a bit of a grind for Sydney. Uh, but they've got a superstar in the making in Joseph Suali. And I know they've applied for RL contract under the age of 18, that's how big they are rating him. So you imagine he's going to get a couple of shots, if not wait till origin time. And Adam Kerrion, who was assigned from the Warriors, you know, he's, he's a pretty handy pickup really. Can fill in at a number of spots and he can he can push for seven shirt as well. So it can provide more competition to your likes of Lachlan Lamb, who seems to be winning the, the race for the seven shirt, but keeps Sam Walker on his toes as well. Orbison going leaves a big hole of experience, but I'd expect a couple of late dives into a transfer market from Sydney. A couple of uh, signings late on, as we've seen before. 
don't know if you boys have got any uh, questions to fire at me. I mean, you mentioned it very briefly, mate, Joseph Suwali. It's been on the lips of everyone who's been watching NRI in the past couple of weeks. What do you think of the way the media's handled it? Because personally, I think it's a bit pathetic. You know, he's 17 years old. Granted, to be fair, he had a really good game at the weekend against... I think you were against you boys, were it against the Raiders, yeah. where he got two tries from the centre position. But like NRL.com have been uploading like pure, purely just Joseph Suwali highlights on his own, what he's been doing on his own. The media have been blowing up about how this kid's going to rule the world of rugby league for the next couple of years, how he should have money thrown at him. It's just unnecessary, unneeded pressure, in my opinion. I don't really understand why why they do it. I, I don't know what you think of it, if he, if he, if he thinks it's granted and or what. Yeah, so the, he's 17. The bloke can't legally go to a pub and buy himself a pint without someone, you know what I mean? And the, the, they're talking about him and putting him on pedestal where the pressure's going to get to him. Imagine being him. He's had a good game at the weekend. The media are all over him. He's going to feel under pressure now to do that week in, week out while struggling college work, while struggling whatever else he's got going on. He's a young bloke. Just let him play a bit of ball. Let him turn up without a caring world, play a bit of ball, see what happens. He's like Latrell Mitchell. He, he's, he's a freak of a talent. His step is unbelievable. And I just think this this jump on the bandwagon of throwing money at him, and it's rightly so, you know, he's, he's going to be world-class if he carries on the way he is. But I just think the media are making a bit too much at the minute. And instead of putting pressure on him, he's already going to be feeling pressure. He's at Sydney Roosters for a start. You know, a club stooped in history. Just, just let him play. Why not just enjoy and just let him play? Let him get paid whatever he gets paid. And then in a year or two, when he's got his feet on the ground and we know more about him, start throwing money at him. Then start making video montages of him. It's no wonder people don't develop to this superstardom of pedestal they get put on because there's so much pressure on them from the out from the outgo. It's where I went wrong. <laughs> Go on, Jed. Um, just touching on what you said before I ask my question. You, you, if you think of the players who have progressed to be players that we do put on this pedestal JT were never really made told that he wouldn't really make it too small can't tackle uh, Cooper Cronk who never made to be anything was was engineered by Melbourne Cam Smith um, obviously even going back I know we don't have the social media that we do have these days so it is hard to compare across generations but think about the players who have gone on to become the best players ever. They've never really had that really early stages pressure. And if you compare it recently, the only player that I can sort of remember who's had this hype at such a young age was Caelan Ponga. And obviously he has gone on and done well, but probably not gone on, like Jamie says, to be that world beater that he was progressing. And it, is that because of this early stage pressure? I suppose we won't know only the player himself will know, but it is a, an interesting question about modern day society in rugby league. Uh, on to my question. I feel like you've got Jared Maria Hargreaves, who's, I think, maybe maybe 30 now. Jake Friends, 32, 33. Um, I'm not sure how, how old Takiyaho is. Uh, Corden is out. I know Corden's only 27, but obviously he's out for half a season. You're getting an ageing aging forward pack there. Uh, Mitch Orbison has obviously left now. He was 32, 33. Do you think this is this will start to become an issue now with the pack starting to age? Do you think they'll sort of start getting dominated, especially without the, without the key figure of Cordner there? Are other forward packs in the competition going to target this and look to try and try and topple the pack to try and topple Sydney overall? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from there, but you've also got on the flip side of that Radley, who's still a young bloke who's been carting around at 13, Lindsay Collins, who all three of us ranted and raved about last season. Nat Butcher, Egan Butcher, you know, they are budding these young... Angus Crichton's not overly old. You know, they are budding these youngsters. It's like like you say, though, there doesn't seem to be, like, a bridge between the experienced heads of a pack and the younger end. Um, I think teams will start to look at them and think we can have a shot at them here. You know, we'll, uh, especially some of the firebrand forwards. You think of Corey Osborough. He's a bloke who wants to make a name for himself and do this kind of and. Players like him are going to take a shot at the older boys. But, as I've said, Jared Warhagrives, if he steps up this season and gets into it, then uh, we, should be all, we should go all right. Speaking of the changing of the guard, Jamie, we're uh, going over to Cronulla with you now. Very nice settlement. Very nice 
Just to briefly add on to that as well, Satili Tupanua, I do like in the back row for the Roosters. I think he's. I think he'll probably start second row this year as well. Um, Cronulla, Sutherland, Sharks, lads. You know, twenty twenty for them. You, you've kind of. I, I personally have got to give a lot of credit for reading this start in the rugby league project. Um, and Andrew Ferguson, who who is a big uh, producer of all these stats and figures. But this blew my mind. Cronulla finished twenty twenty with a perfectly balanced season. He had ten wins, ten losses. 480 points scored, 480 points conceded. They might as well have not played a single game, essentially. Um, you know, that pretty much summed up their entire campaign in 2020. But positively for them, it was good enough to actually get them into the playoffs for the sixth consecutive season. Um, it's no secret that Cronulla have not really hit the heights of 2016 in actuality. You know, they only have... Jed, I'm going to throw a quiz question to you. I know you love your quizzes. There's only three players left from the NRL Grand Final winning team of 2016 left in their squad. Who are these three players? Chad Townsend. Correct. Fire away, Joss, if you know. Um, definitely a forward, like a second rower in there who I'm not thinking of. Big, big, big twinny from uh, who's Wakefield's twin? Andrew Feeter. Oh, Andrew Feeter. And who's the captain? I don't know who is the captain. So, I'm going to say Luke Lewis, but he's been retired two years. <laughs> Chad Townsend, Andrew Feeter, and Wade Graham are the only oh, yeah. are the only three left from that starting seventeen five years ago. So this shows how quickly a club can have a change in fortunes in the salary cap era. Um, many Sharks fans have not really been happy with the recruitment since then, um, and the driver as well. You know, you look at Matt Moylan, Josh Dugan, Aaron Woods severely underperforming and not reaching the previous heights that they've had in terms of performance. Um, but one man stands above that and almost single-handedly raised the bar for them last season, and that was Sean Johnson. Um, back to his best, 23 try assists, 120 points. Um, his season was actually cut short with an Achilles rupture, but he played his part in the majority of the Sharks' success with their eighth-place finish. Um, although they never really stood a chance in the playoffs against the Raiders, if I'm honest. Their promotion from within was very highly regarded with the likes of Toby Rudolph, COC for Talakai and the tri-scoring machines like Ronaldo, Molitalo um, and Sione Katoa as well. 2021 this season, the recruitment, you know, Cronulla need to learn how to motivate themselves against teams above them on the ladder. Out of their 10 losses last season, eight of them losses came against teams above them. You know, they lost to the Bunnies, they lost to the Storm, they lost to the Eels, they lost to the Knights, they lost to the Rooters, Roosters, Rooters. And they lost to the Raiders, and they lost to Penrith twice, um, even losing again to the Raiders in the playoffs. Um, whether this is exactly where they should be, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but with the experience they have within their ranks, they should really be putting on better performances against these stronger sides, because all of them losses, they got pasted pretty much. They didn't really put up a fight. You know, they'll be looking forward... To, sorry, they'll be, they'll be looking towards their strike edges once again. The aforementioned Molitalo and Katoa, but their recruitment has been very sparse. You know, they've only really signed Aidan Tolman, who's coming from the Bulldogs. You know, their squad is pretty much a carbon copy of the previous season, whilst they've also lost big bodies in Jason Bakuya to early retirement and, and Scott Sorensen, who's headed out, um, out west to Penrith. You know, if injuries and inconsistency hits once again, then it could be a really tough ride for John Morris, um, you know, who seemed to have struggled post Shane Flanagan um, and Paul Gallen, Paul, the Paul Gallen era. You know, the off-season, you'd assume they've been working on some defence in their entirety of the 2020 campaign in the 21 games they played. They only managed two games where they leaked less than 12 points, which is a, a horrendous stat in terms of defensive reads as well. You know, you're looking at Blake Braley, Will Kennedy and Britton Akura will try and continue to, to pick up their, their game as well. I thought they were really impressive in 2020. Finishing position is going to be really hard. You know, I, I have them doing pretty much an exact repeat of last season. They've got an exact same squad. You know, he's, you know that, that's, that's the irony in it. Eighth place, you know, is probably where they're looking to aim, eighth or ninth. Only if they manage to overcome the kind of long-term injuries and the key players step up alongside Sean Johnson. You know, teams around them from 2020 will look to improve. The Warriors have got better. The Titans have got better. The Tigers are pushing. Um, the Cowboys are pushing. But if this Sharks team don't, then the Shire fans will be on their backs and 2021 is going to be a long, long season. Um, a player that has stood out for me in the past couple of years who I really, really like is Braden Hamlin-Ueli. 
um, really led from the front last year, especially when Andrew Fita was feeling um, fatigued. Um, and he's become one of Cronulla's really main men in the middle. He's really hard-nosed, really forward-thinking, never take a backward step. Um, and the New Zealand international has really chalked up a lot of impressive stats from 2020 as he played every single game for Cronulla last year. And average 52, on average, he got 52 tackle breaks, 96 average run metres and 35 post-contact metres. Um, you know, you look at this to progress even more in, in, in 2021. Players to watch, mark this down, lads. This guy is going to be the breakout player of 2021. Um, I'm not exactly saying he's going to be the rookie. I think he will be a rookie technically, but he, he will be the breakout player, and that's Billy Magulias. Um, he's another product from the Cronulla feeder club playing out of Newtown. Um, he's a loose forward, but he can also fill in at 5'8", and has been touted heavily to feature this season in the pack. That needs a bit of an extra push. This past weekend, when they actually lost to the Bulldogs, he started 13. Um and it was a real key player when Newtown won the 2019 NRL State Championship. Um, and he was actually named in the team of the season in, in, that, in that competition as well. And he's recently represented Greece in the World Cup qualifying campaign. So depending on his progression through the ranks, he could be playing for Greece as well in the future. Players to improve, there's only really one name that stands out for me. And I'd have to say Matt Moylan. Um, there don't really seem to be much evidence that he has any form to actually return to. You know, he comes through the Penrith ranks a couple of years ago as this sort of wonder kid and, and during the beginning of the five-year plan scheme. But he seems to be have... He's been donned with this black cloud uh, over his entire career. He's never really nailed down a position in the past couple of years. He's too slow and indecisive for me to be a fullback, and he doesn't really have enough, enough talent to kind of usurp the likes of Johnson, Townsend, Trindle or Tracy in the halves. Um, you know, he's on a reported salary of 800 grand um, a year and he's, in, he's coming into his last couple of years at the Cronulla Shack so I'm not sure if this year it might be his last year but I could easily see him slotting in at Hull KR in the halfbacks if I'm honest over in Super League or at Salford as well he's got to step up and he's got to find some sort of form whatsoever um, yeah looking a very static season for Cronulla Sharks and I think it could be a tough one for the Sharks and John Morris So, yeah, my question for you is, obviously, you mentioned that there could be around the eighth or ninth spot. But my question for you is, from your point of view, do you still, do you still see Cronulla relevant as a top eight team or are they now? Because obviously, normally, you would have thought team having to go to Shire and Hard Place. Or would you now firmly say they start as outsiders of the top eight? I think if you're looking at the basis of last year's top eight, when they finished eight, like I said, the Titans have got better and the Warriors have got better. So they're probably in that gap of seven, eight, ninth or tenth. Truthfully, I don't, even though I've just said they'll finish eight, I don't actually think they'll finish in the top eight because um, I think the Titans will get better. Kind of something that is positive to them. They do have a lot of players with experience, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you know, Dugan, Johnson, Townsend, um, Woods, Graham, Fafita, Tolman as well, who's a great buy, along with a lot of good good younger products like Jesse Ramian, Kennedy, Katoa, Hamlin Ueli, Braley, Rudolph, Nikora. Um, and on the day, Cronulla are actually a really good team to watch and I think that they, they can easily be a top eight team. To answer your question, Joss, um, I think they can be a top eight team, but if you were to state the best eight teams in the NRL, I don't think they come into it. One thing that I have a worry for with Cronulla even if you look at, at the teams at the, at the bottom half of the table, probably not Doggies, but even the Broncos, um, the Cowboys, each one of them teams has probably, you'd say, two, maybe three match winners. Players who, when they want, can take the game by the scruff of the neck and get a win for their team. Other than Sean Johnson, who can produce moments of magic, I don't see anyone in that Sharks team who can do that. You might think, prove me wrong. But I don't see anyone who, when the chips are down, maybe like if you look when the one Fafita could do that a couple of years ago, but he doesn't have that form anymore. Is that a worry that they don't have players who can produce that magic and win them a game when they need it? I think they've got try scorers. You look at Katora Mulitalo, who can, who can score tries for fun. But I know what you mean. Like if, if you're kind of 70 metres out from your own try line and need a, and need a, and need a try, um, one bloke I thought would have done is Bronson Jerry. But obviously, he's gone and butchered his own career, and that's his own fault. Um, but yeah, I agree. They've got a lot of a gritty, hard-working forwards. Um, an all-star player in Sean Johnson, but he's, what, 31, 32 now? You can't be putting it all on him. 
Although one thing I do like is Will Kennedy. I think he is a good fullback, and I think he'll actually have a better season this year. But yeah, I agree with you. It, they don't have a, a, a huge superstar when when Sean Johnson isn't isn't on form. Four doesn't fit into three, so Townsend, Moyle, Johnson are your halves, and then Will Kennedy's your one. Who goes where? Because someone's gonna have to miss out. Easy, mate. Matt Moylan straight out. Will Kennedy fullback, Johnson, Townsend, and I'd even put Tracy and Trindle before Moylan. I don't think he's good enough, and I don't think he's NRL standard. Have that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been quite vocal with Matt Moylan. I don't. I, I think it's tough because when he came out of Penrith, he was this all-star fullback, and he, he he just lost a lot of pace. He seemed to lose a lot of confidence. He was never going to shift um, Barber or Holmes when he came to the Sharks, and then Will Kennedy's come on really well. And obviously, they had this Newtown Jets 2019 NRL State Championship victory, and all these players are coming through now. You look at Kennedy, Katoa, Mulitalo. Braley, uh, Nikora, Rudolph, Talakai, Magulias, they're all slowly coming through and Marlon's getting left behind. I, I think, it, truthfully, I think he'll really struggle this season and, and I don't think he'll be a criminal player after this year. And, and it won't surprise me if he's, if he's not an NRL player. Um, last but not least, we've done 15 out of the 16 teams. Um, Mr. Jed Amos Goddard, speak to us about the team out of Redfern. Probably the the preview I was looking forward to doing the most, to be honest. I think there's a lot to talk about and a lot of promise. Um, in terms of 2020, um, highs and lows for South Sydney. It, it, on paper, it's a successful season, but for them, they probably deem it as an unsuccessful season. A third preliminary round final loss on the spin is going to take its toll on any team. Can they finally bounce back and go all the way for the first time since that famous 2014 Sam Burgess and GI inspired victory this year? Who knows? I feel like they'll feel like they can. Um, it took Salves a while to get going last year with Wayne Bennett taking the reins, but but once they actually sort of kicked into gear, just around that halfway through the season, they really started to look like Premiership contenders. Um, a lot was actually spoken about the new six again rule and how the likes of hookers such as Damien Cook will really be able to take advantage of that. But because they never really got going, it took them a while to actually be able to take advantage of that. And, and a lot of that emphasis was put on him, but I don't feel like it was his fault. I feel like the pack was really sluggish in parts. And other than probably Cameron Murray, no one gets a quick player of the ball. Apart from him, he's probably the quickest player of the ball in the league. And it's, it was quite slow, a bit jagged in parts. So Cook could never really take advantage of that. But once the pack sort of kicked into gear especially to when we came to the finals, you saw Cook finally being able to take advantage of that and, and do what we'd have expected him to do since the first whistle and, and march up the field and taking advantage of breaks, which is what we thought he'd do all along. Um, the injury to the trail sort of derailed them a little bit. I know we had Alan come in and Johnson who can fill in at fullback as well. And I feel like they did do a good job. But obviously, when you've got a, a, a player, a bloke such as Latrell Mitchell, no matter who he's bringing it, it's going to be a massive loss. Um, and towards the back end, we saw Cody Walker playing probably the best footy of his career, um, along with Adam Reynolds, who everyone was saying his kicking game um, is easily the best in-game kicking players, the best in the competition. Um, but unfortunately, they did just fall short. Um, the Rabbits have signed very well. And the, one of the biggest question marks so far is how much will Benji be used? Um, he's obviously just going to be, I think he'll just be cover. Um, but will something that I think they should look to explore it's a long season. It's going to be a longer season than last season now that it's a full season. You've got World Cup at the end of it. You've got Origin throughout the season, not at the end this year. I feel the need to take a little bit of time away from Cook and Walker and a, a little bit of a rest time. So even if you're just using Benji just to come on for maybe 10, 15 minutes a game, just to give Cook that little bit of a rest, keep him fresher for a longer season, I feel like that would be a really important tactic to use. Obviously, I'm not going to question the methods of Wayne Bennett, who knows a hell of a lot more than I will ever know. Uh, but I feel like that could be something to be brought in. And if anyone can sort of employ that tactic, Wayne Bennett will be the person to do it. Yeah, go on, Jamie. You think Marshall's going to cover Cook at Hooker? I feel like it, oh, I feel like he'll give it just a little bit of pressure, or maybe put Walker to Hooker, um, and then have just Marshall on the pitch. Just something to give Cook a little bit of a rest. So he doesn't become tired. Um, and I feel like that'll bode them well to when they come into the finals and might actually be that key to overcoming that hurdle of a preliminary final. So I think how it will work, I don't know. Um, Walker is an 80-minute half, so is Reynolds, but they must have bought Benji in for, for a reason. And that is the only sort of 
logistically reasoned thing that I can think of as why they'd bring him in, put Walker to hooker. I'm only talking like 10, 15 minutes a game, maybe the back end of the first half, the first 10 minutes of the second half. But I feel like that's something that they should should look to bring in, really. Um, and I feel like it'll really benefit them well. Might be talking hoppycock, but who knows? It might actually do it, and then everyone will be calling me a genius. Um, another fantastic signing for me is Jairo. Will slot directly into that South Pack, making it even more formidable. He's a natural, either prop or loose, but with Bennett favouring to start Murray at second row last season before switching him to lock in the game, I feel like that Jairo will probably start lock um, and then Murray at second row, but don't be surprised if that does switch and change. Such is the versatility of the South Pack. Um, they've had a, uh, some good depth. Josh Mansour thinks a really good pickup. Um, experience, what more do you want being at that Penrith side for quite a while now? Um, and really bring some depth to that back line. Um, Tattoo Amoga, again, nice squad signing. Hopefully he doesn't get, I think he's had three ACL injuries, but seems to have a good solid season, not picking up any injuries. So that'd be a good one to bring to depth when that origin season uh, rolls around. Uh, Jacob Host, a really good signing um, from the Dragons. I think he'll be starting off the bench as a second row, and I feel like he'll be a really good player for them. Um, one of the best attributes I've just touched on of that squad is that so many of the players are really versatile. If you look at the starting 17, apart from Josh Mansour, they're all able to play a few positions. Latrell, full-back and centre. Alex Johnston, full-back and wing. Uh, apart from, obviously, the halves as well in terms of like Walker and, and Cook as your hooker. There. Anyone in the pack can switch around and play where they want, which is such a, a positive to have because no matter who gets injured, you know that you've already got someone in your 17 who can fill in that position. And I feel like that's such a key attribute to have in, in the NRL. My only concern for South, as, we, as we've touched on, thanks to you, Jamie, is who's going to act for cover for Cook. They don't really have a second-choice hooker, um, which, again, why have they brought Benji in? It's another one of them questions. And if he does get injured, that's he's such an important player for that squad that that could be quite detrimental to their season. I don't know who they'd put there. Walker might be a good cover short-term, but if he's out for, for eight weeks, Walker's not going to play hooker for eight weeks, is he? So that's a, a question that needs to be answered, really. Um, and as, as you've already touched on, I feel like they could give him with spells on the bench to stop him being a risk of burnout, which I've just touched on. Um, key battles within the team, um, there's, there's quite a few really, just because of the depth that they have. Um, no position is really safe, as you've got a, a, a massive, all the players, you've got Moga who can fill in at centres, Jacob Hoss could be pushing for a start. You've got Jackson Paulo, who's now probably going to be pushed to, to the reserves, but he's going to be pushing, he, he start, finished the season really well. Um, and we'll be wanting to probably get into that that starting lineup again. Um, it's, a, it's a really exciting season for the for Souths, and um, I, do, I can see them being a team that can change sort of like one position or two position can change week to week depending on what they need and depending the teams that they come up against. Um, I feel like if you've got um, Ooh, let me have a doggies at home one week and then storm the week after. I feel like the team that Bennett picks will reflect the opposition and could change. So I feel like having a, a starting 17 back to back every week that's the same will be quite a rarity for the Souths this season. Um, they've improved on their squad and their depth as a whole. I think it's the best squad they've had since 2014. Um, I think I've got them predicting to finish around about third in the table. Um, I think they are better. Than, I think they're better not being the pace setters. I don't think they're comfortable being top of the ladder. And with Wayne, knowing how playoffs work, I think that they'll time it perfectly coming into the final season. I really will be firing on all cylinders. And that's probably their, one of my tips to win the grand final this year. I really think they're going to go that step further now that they've actually got the squad to do it. Uh, my key player should be no shock it is Damian Cook. I know you could easily say Latrell, uh, but you saw when Latrell was injured how they still managed to to pull out performances and still got to the prelim finals. You take Cook out of that squad, are they getting to the prelim finals last season? Probably not, how integral he is to them. Um, and my one to watch is a, a player that I know we've all spoke about on the podcast, really came on, is uh, Keon Kolomatangi. He's a really big forward, strong. And he averaged 109 metres um, coming off the bench again, which I think is really impressive because such a young bloke. And his tackling success of 99% shows that he, he doesn't shift the gritty work either. So I was really impressed with him. With a full year under his belt, um, I'm sure that he'll, he'll, he'll go on and uh, perform even better now. And uh, I feel like he'll have a big season, as will Souths as a whole. And I'll open it up to the floor. Two big names, mate, looking at off-season um, in 2021, who were, who were the contracts are up. One is 
Dane Gagai. He, he's off contract to the end of the year. And the other one is Adam Reynolds. You know, it's been publicised well in, in the um, in the press recently that they've only offered him a one-year contract extension and, and Reynolds hasn't been happy about this at all and he wants a three-year extension. If you're the Bunnies, what are you doing in terms of Dane Gagai and Adam Reynolds for, for next year? A tough one. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if they don't. Not that they don't offer Gagai a new contract, but if they don't offer him the contract that he wants, I feel like they've got the depth there now to... Um, have players ready-made to fill into that slot. Um, so that wouldn't be too much of an issue. The one with Adam Reynolds is a massive issue. I feel like I can understand his agreements as only being offered a one-year contract. But then again, I can also understand why South Sydney aren't wanting to offer him a three-year contract. I'm not sure how old he is. He's 31 this year. Um, obviously coming towards the back stages of his career and a three-year contract for a 31-year-old where injuries can be more prevalent. You're not at the your, your prime of your powers anymore. Um, it totally makes sense from a business standpoint to not put all your money in that player. But with his form that he had last season, his kicking game still excellent, the best in the league. It's, it's a tough one. He's the captain. I feel like they should meet in the middle ground a two-year contract. I feel like even though Reynolds might not want that, I feel like that would be a happy medium for everyone. I feel like you lose more by letting him go rather than offering that in that contract, if that makes sense. I feel like he's a really a real detriment. I'm not sure who they'd bring in. Um, they need an organisational halfback, really, because Cody Walker is a very much off-the-cusp halfback. He's not really your organisational type. Um, di- difficult questions to ask. I won't be surprised. I think Reynolds will definitely still be there next year. I think he probably will end up winning that sort of that chess battle. Uh, but yeah, Dane Gagai could see being at a different club next season, mate. Right, fair enough. Uh, Tom Burgess is the only Burgess left playing. Do you think he can emulate Sam at South, or do you think he will? Because obviously he's come on really well last season, which tore straight through the St George Pack at the weekend, or do you think he will always just fall just below? It's hard because they're very diff- the, the different players. Um, obviously, Sammy could play in all, all over the pack, whereas Tom's much more an out-and-out prop forward. Does He's not going to do your, your exciting stuff. He's not going to be one to go out and put massive hits on. So it's hard to compare. And I feel like... I don't feel like he'll always... I feel like he'll be regarded as his own player, but he's never going to match up to Sam. Sammy was everything to South when he was in his prime. He was the key player. I mean, he had a documentary made about him, which Russell Crowe narrated. You've got to be a special player to have that about you. I feel like Tom Burgess won't be compared and will be appreciated for his own efforts. But at the same time, if you're talking about Burgess, there's only going to be one Burgess that's ever going to come to people's lips, and that's going to be Sammy. That's just an unfortunate part of, of when your brother is Sam Burgess, unfortunately. And superb stuff Jed thank you very much and for everybody that's listening thank you for listening to our dulcet tones we've done 16 teams there the NRL previews just before we do round off before the podcast we have each written three bold predictions for 2021 and when we finish the season we're all going to come back and laugh at how bad these predictions are so Josh McVitty why don't you fire away with yours yeah number one John Morris will be the first coach to be sacked in the NRL You've been reading my lines. Number two, Blake Ferguson will be released before the season end. Interesting. Interesting. Number three, Sonny Bill Williams will go back to the Roosters in a coaching capacity before the year's out. Interesting. Over to you, Jed. Um, My first one is that this will be the 2021 Grand Final will contain neither... Sydney Roosters or the Melbourne Storm. Just as a little quick quiz to finish off, because we do love a quiz. How many grand finals since the NRL started in 1998 haven't contained either of them teams? Four. Joss? Three. Six. Which is still, I know it's higher than what you said, but out of 23 grand finals, only six haven't contained Melbourne Storm or Sydney Roosters, which is a testament to them and is why we call them cogs and machines and that they just keep on turning it out. Um, it's got to be bold, hasn't it? Gold Coast to finish fifth and pick one of the teams out. Got to go brave in these uh, situations. Um, and then it's not really bold, I suppose, but I suppose it is when you think of the club. Brisbane Broncos to get back-to-back wooden spoons. They're my three. Superb stuff. And uh, 
My three, Jed, you're very much like this, even though I haven't actually written it down in my predictions. I'm going to go for the Cowboys to make the eight. With Toddy Payton, with all their key players on form, hopefully they don't have any injuries because no one likes injuries in a team. I think Cowboys will make the eight. That's one of my bold predictions. I think Anthony Griffin will not see the season out with the Dragons. I think is in under his is in out of his depth, if I'm honest. I think the Dragons are going to have an awful season. They've had an awful off season. They haven't got a very good squad bar, a few odd players. I think the pressure will come down on him that is already on him. Um and I think you'll leave under unceremonious um circumstances. I think they probably breed in Shane Flanagan to take over, but he can't this season anyway. But yeah, I don't think Anthony Griffin will see the season out. And finally, I think Anthony Milford, it will be his last season in the NRL. Even though he, I don't I don't think he's off contract to the end of this year. You might tell me I'm wrong, boys. I'm not entirely sure. But even if he is off contract, I think he'll escape away from the NRL. He's never, ever lived up to potential. I don't even think he's even lived up to underneath that. Um, and I think the Brisbane Broncos will, will struggle once again this year um, quite considerably as well under under Kevin Wallace. So my three ball predictions, I think the North Queensland Cowboys will make the eight. I think Anthony Griffin will not see the season out as the Dragons coach. And I think Anthony Milford's season in the NRL will be his last one. Thank you very much for this prolonged NRL previews. For anybody that is listening, we have released these in consecutive dates, but we've actually filmed this all in one. It has taken us about three and a half hours. So thank you very much to Josh McVitie and Jed Amos Goddard for their patience. Um, it's been brilliant previewing all the NRL teams, all 16 of them. We'll be back with the Super League previews in the next couple of weeks. But for us, the NRL starts on the 11th of March. We're very much excited. We've got a lot more interviews coming out. We've just released Richard Edgar, Tom Johnston, Barry McDermott. We've got Danny Kermon, Richie Mathers and loads more in the past as well. We're on fire at the minute. We have recently been the number one trending podcast in rugby league in, the great, in great Britain. We're very much proud of what we produce. We've got a lot more content coming forward. Keep an eye on all our social media and all our podcasting platforms. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you down the road.